This week's episode is sponsored by Jagged Edge Productions and ITN Studios' Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey 2. Only in theaters, March 26th to March 28th. The suspenseful and thrilling sequel to last year's immense hit, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, amplifies the gore factor with ten times the number of kills to put fans both new and old at the edge of their seats. After Christopher Robin reveals their existence, Winnie the Pooh, Piglet, Tigger, and Owl land on the endangered species list as hard targets. Unwilling to hide in the shadows, the ultimate scream team embarks on a murderous rampage through the town of Ashdown to get their revenge on Christopher Robin, once and for all. So don't miss out, and mark your calendars to catch the limited engagement of Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey 2, only in theaters March 26th to March 28th. Tickets are available now. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Lock your doors and strap yourselves in. From Los Angeles, California, Bloody Disgusting presents the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more. With your hosts, Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. Hey, I'm Trevor, and on behalf of myself, Lauren, and Leo, welcome to the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 274. You're joined by a phenomenal storyteller, an eloquent and powerful performer, whose characters have become cinema legend, the charismatic Tony Todd. At time of release, his new film, The Lockdown Hauntings, written and shot without the help of a crew during the initial lockdown in the UK by the dead's Howard J. Ford, is now available on demand and digital. Hear all about the unique filming process and what was behind Tony's portrayal of a paranormal expert. He revisits his own brushes with the other side, his passion for the art of magic, the horror renaissance we are seeing right now, and the impact of his beloved Candyman, plus so much more. Spend some time with the extraordinary and thoughtful Tony Todd on episode 274, and it starts right now. This is Tony Todd, and you're listening to another terrifying episode of the Boo Crew. Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining Bloody Disgusting's Boo Crew via the Speakeasy Studios, one of the world's most celebrated and versatile actors whose work continues to leave indelible marks on culture, 
cinema, and television across all genres. He is a Helen Hayes-nominated theater performer with close to 250 TV and film projects to date in an ever-expanding list. Oliver Stone's four-time Oscar-winning Platoon, Dennis Hopper's Colors, Oscar-winning John Alvinson's impactful Lean on Me, beloved classic TV shows like Simon & Simon, the Emmy-winning Night Court, X-Files, Star Trek 24, The Young and the Restless, voice work in countless video games from superheroes to science fiction, he has cemented incredible characters into the zeitgeist, among them Candyman, Grange, and Alex Proyas's stunning work of art, The Crow, Bloodworth, and the Final Destination franchise, just to name a few, and has collaborated with the greatest filmmakers of all time, from Wes Craven to Tom Savini, Jordan Peele, Michael Bay, and many more. He has received honors from countless festivals, including four Lifetime Achievement Awards at different points in his career, which continues to challenge and inspire us to this day. His latest project is an intense paranormal thriller taking place at the very start of the COVID-19 lockdown in the UK. It is Howard J. Ford's The Lockdown Hauntings. Experience it on VOD now. We are honored to welcome one of its stars, Mr. Tony Todd. Thank you so much. We love you, Tony, man, and thank you so (laughs) much. Thanks for spending time with us. Uh, I'm so sorry. Sorry about yesterday, but American Airlines, you're done. Don't even worry about it, man. <laughs> we told me in Dallas overnight. <laughs> and I just sleep on one of those. I fucking couldn't get to the lounge. I slept on one of those ugly pleather chairs, and I thought to myself, how many funky asses have sat in this thing today? <laughs> Millions. <laughs> oh, my God, Tony. Well, congrats, congratulations on another yes. wonderful character and a film. And we want to start out. This is a happy Halloween season. I imagine a very busy time for you. Going back to when you were a kid, what are the earliest memories you have of experiencing a horror film? Well, you know, I grew up at a time, I was raised by my aunt. I grew up at a time when, you know, I was in Connecticut, so New England area, where they would put on a movie of the, of the night, every night at 8 o'clock, and then the Friday night movie, Saturday night movie. And because there was limited slot times, they didn't waste around with junk, right? So I think I saw, first one I saw that I have a conscious memory of was Hunchback of the Notre Dame with Charles Lawton. Okay. And I was amazed at how he contorted his body and fit up in that bell tower. And then I remember every Friday they did a great horror film. So the second one I saw was um, Bride of Frankenstein. I saw that before I saw the original Frankenstein. Some people think it's better. It's one of the few films of the sequel. And I said, wow, that's amazing. I mean, we're talking about the universal logo flying around the earth. And then the one that really stuck with me, I mean, I'm young at this time, eight, nine. But every day, you know, we would talk about what's going to be on the three o'clock movie. And everybody besides Tarzan and his bullshit (laughs) swinging through Africa with his really (laughs) different (laughs) thoughts. <laughs> but Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. It had everything. It had horror. It had comedy. It, it, it still got you. We are oh, eager to see Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. So that those three were the, the, the cementing. And as I got older, and I discovered things like Rosemary's Baby, and you know, and on and on. Yeah. Well, let's let's go there. I mean, from your work, from Night of Living Dead to Candyman, the Lockdown Hauntings, just to name a few, a cross section there. Horror Mm -hmm. often acts as a mirror to reflect upon us in a very powerful way. What do you think it is about the lens of horror and the fantastical that makes it such a poignant genre to explore storytelling through? 
Okay, somebody, I just posted something on, um, on my IG. Somebody gave me, it's a jar, big jar, and it's called Pickle Monster, right? And it's garlic and onion and stuff. It's huge. I couldn't, it's being shipped to me. But I said, you know, sometimes you just got to put those little monsters in a jar and keep it tightly sealed, all right? Everybody is walking around with demons of some kind, whether they're demons that they're doing to themselves, whether it's bad behavior that they know can be triggered, whether it's all the Karens in the world that have to go off every now and then. And I think horror presents, I think mirror is a good word, it presents the possibilities of what could be if we really let that monster out. Oh, that's very well said. It sounded like yeah. a monologue yes. from a movie right there, man. Right. <laughs> so back, let's go back in 2010, right? This yeah. guy, Howard J. Ford and his brother, John, they crafted a spectacular zombie movie, beautifully shot on location in Africa called The Dead. And we love that movie. And he is... That's how I came to know how it's work. Yeah, that's what we were going to ask you. I mean, what an extraordinary creative guy and what he can do with a limited budget is mind-blowing. That movie was stunning. So how did you meet him? Okay. I had recently seen the film. I was in the UK. Uh, I was, no, I, was, I know where I was. I was coming from Wales. Um, I shot a film there called Dead of Night. Uh, and I love, you know, I love traveling and, and my work is taking me all the way to Africa, all the way to Wales, all around the world, New Zealand, et cetera. And I'm sitting and all of a sudden, this guy, we're in business class. He sits next to me and we look at each other. And I said, I just seen this picture in some fan magazine. I said, are you Howard? And he says, are you Tony? And for like 12 hours, we got to mash it up, talking about film, fatherhood, life, what scares us. And that was a connection. Okay. Uh, so that must have been 2011. And then we both said, we're going to work together. And it took the pandemic to bring our talents together. It's one of the films that I made during the pandemic era. I'll get to the other one in a bit. Yeah, please do. So first, the lockdown haunting. So you play this paranormal expert, Jordan Myers. Tell us about the conception. And not only that, but uh, I guess start with the, just a brief line of the story and about your character. And we'll go on from there. Well, I, I was playing a, a paranormal expert that all of a sudden, suddenly in lockdown is overwhelmed. He was also a bit of an empath, right? So he tapped into this this thing. And he's it's sort of, an, for me, a crumbling of this man trying to grapple with his insanity in a moment of time where the brightest minds need to step forward. So, you know, and what was interesting, my, all my stuff was shot via Zoom, okay? First time I filmed via Zoom, but it captured, I think, I hope, you know, a, a scientist not being able to deal with the moment at hand, right? And then, of course, you got the great story of this, you know, what happens, what, what, what do people fear? What did we all go through for that, that first horrible year when those of us who were maybe trapped in isolation or for all the relationships that have gone awry or for the people that aren't here anymore, that can't take it. You know, that was the real horror story that there were no more ventilator beds. that. Or imagine when, when New York and L.A. were considering using cruise ships as temporary hospital beds. <laughs> if you wanted a cup of jello, you couldn't get it. Some ice chip. No toilet paper. No toilet paper. <laughs> well, I was a Boy Scout. Okay? I was one badge away from being, a, from being an Eagle Scout, so I know what to do. There's enough trees in the world, folks. 
And your opening monologue is extraordinary. What did you think of the way that it was written? And what did it ignite in you? Is that element of fantastical is there, but it's also really grounded with a lot of truth to what was going on at that time and still right now. Well, you know, I, I love that we shot it without makeup. I wanted the rawness, the, this man who perhaps was once dignified and on top of the world just to examine his kind. His last, his last vestiges of sanity and sending out messages to try to help this wonderful detective to achieve her goal. And Angela Dixon, by the way, is brilliant in the film. Got a shout out. And shout out to all of my UK actors who are in the film. It, it felt like it was an international cast. And finally, it has arrived on American shores. So please, folks, all you horror fans, don't just, you know, I know you love what you love, but like support some things that are outside the box sometimes. It might surprise you. Yeah, and that uh, amazing monologue that you deliver at the film's opening scene. How much of that resonated with you personally as this pandemic started to ramp up? You know, as an actor, unless you can connect with the characters that you're allowed to play, then don't do it. So, I mean, it was an instant connection. I, I Because the day I shot it, I, I was working, I was doing some voiceover and stuff, and I had actually missed the call-in time. So I was razzled and frazzled, and I used that energy because I was a, it was my first opportunity with, 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 with uh, Howard and with Angela, and I wanted to be there. And so we made it work out. And I think I was using that energy when we finally shot my stuff. As you said, a lot of the actors in this scenes shot together on Zoom for the most part when they are together. So what was the general mechanics of the shoot itself? How did it work? Did you interact directly with Angela in those scenes with the two of you talking? Were those films separately and stitched together? How, what was the dynamic? Well, she was there for me on the day. So we were able to rehearse shoot at the same time. So I was only uh, available for that one day, but we crammed a whole lot of material. And then Howard is an, is an excellent editor as well as a director and a damn fine human being. And he was able to just put it all together. Wow. So did he, do you know if he actually ended up going in person to any of the flats or, or sets where any of this stuff was shot? He would, he would, you know, he would do it with small groups and be able to go to actual sets. But again, I wasn't there, but I know that's what he, his intention was. Guy, you know, most great directors have to be fearless. You know, uh, just one side note, you know, I have a little bit of survivor's guilt going on because I worked on The Crow. And then what happened, we're not going to mention any names, but what happened this weekend in New Mexico, who thought that 20 years later we still haven't learned a lesson? You know, I pray for the, I pray for the family that was affected the beautiful cinematographer and I pray for the survivors, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a tough road. So, but we have to, we have to be safe. Very powerful and thoughtful words, Tony. Thank you for that. Yeah. Through the paranormal nature of this storyline, things have to fly around the room, move on their own. Yeah. In your case, how was that done? My imagination. <laughs> <laughs> I have, you actually get physical things thrown at you at yeah, one point. You know what? I have a powerful, my imagination is my jack of all trades, man. And, you know, that's the Howard's special effects that go on. But, uh, yeah, I think it's brilliant. 
However, he achieved yeah. those practical effects. On record, he promised me next time we're going to shoot something in person. Hopefully, it's in my beloved other countries. And uh, that time, we really, if you think this was great, wait until we peel the skin off the onion in person. Oh, man, I can't wait. Oh, I can't wait, right? The Boo Crew will be right back. Perhaps it was inevitable. For years, Vincent Price has played the role of Dr. Death. For years, he has pretended to be a hideous, murdering monster. Now, he has actually become one. American International presents Vincent Price in Madhouse. Madhouse, where lunacy lives, fear lurks, evil walks, and death waits. Madhouse, an endless nightmare from which there is no return. Madhouse, a cinematic shock treatment guaranteed to scare you out of your mind. No one ever leaves Madhouse. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. What has your experience been like with the paranormal? Are you a believer yourself? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, I grew up an only kid and I grew up poor. We, we, I wasn't into projects, but it was in a, you know, a lower middle class, all black environment. We were surrounded by a graveyard. So we didn't know any better, but we used the graveyard as our temporary playground, you know, jumping from tombstone to tombstone, our favorite trees. And on Friday nights, we used to, we thought this was fun. <laughs> we lay in wait and wait for the drunks of a certain street they had to come up to come back to civilization. <laughs> I wish I had a video camera. Oh, uh, the wow. pee that was left on the road. Oh, my God. And all of that ended one day when we said, oh, let's bring some eggs. And we're going to throw eggs at the pimp's cars, right? And we're tossing eggs and we hit the wrong pimp in the wrong car. No. And when splatter, he screeched to a stop. He jumped out. My little fat friend couldn't, I'm struggling to get him up. Okay. And I'm pushing him along. And all of a sudden I'm the last guy and he's running in his snakeskin boots and his long fucking superfly coat through the graveyard. I'm going to kill you little bitch. I'm going to kill you. I don't know how I got out of here. It wasn't one of those normal chain rail fences, one of those ones with the spikes on somehow. I grabbed hold of that and I, shit, I did me a fucking Olympic move. Boom. And then I went go running like Richard <laughs> That's scarier than any ghost story you could possibly tell right yeah. there. Because <laughs> I could have been a spirit that night. Yeah, I'm right. Oh, my God. Right. So, I want to talk about wow. this, too. I mean, paranormal, the unexplained, and magic go hand in hand. And I understand you are a bit of a magic connoisseur. I like your decor back there, man. This kind of looks like a haunted house scene. Right? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, we, you know, funny enough, we teamed up with the people behind the, uh, the the workers at the Magic Castle who actually built this uh, studio with us. So we're huge Magic Castle that's freaks. That's what it reminds me of. I love the Magic Castle. Tell us about your discovery of magic. When I was a kid, because I was an only kid, I discovered a lot of things at the same time between 
11, 16. I studied hypnotism. I studied astral, uh, astral projection, uh, creative visualization, yoga, guitar. I was just, uh, you know, I'm a kid that like at Christmas, my aunt would give me uh, the game of life. In order to play the game of life, we really need three other people, right? But I would play by myself. It was fine. I called on my spirits. They joined me. No joke. But I'm surrounded by good angels, not bad ones. Oh, that's amazing. Is there a magic illusion or trick or anything like that 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 blew you away that off the top of your head that you can think of that uh, really ushered your love into it? At that time, there was more magic stores around, right? Of course, when you first go there, the first thing they sell you is to, with the, the little silk thread and the going up and down. But there was one guy, I think his name was Marty. And every time he goes, he says, let me show you something special. He'd been down, da, da, da. And I remember he had floating cards. He did a simple card trick. He played it down on the surface. He said, choose one. See it on the left or the right. And then he says, knock away the cards. I knocked them away. And I know it was part of the rising card thing, but the card literally floated. And instead of going towards him, it went out towards me and revealed its face. Okay. To this day, I don't think I've ever seen that. Right. Wow, that's amazing. Have you learned the trick? Have you done it? I know it was done with, I don't want to give away tools. Dude, it would be great to see oh, you wow. perform at the Magic Castle. That would be amazing. Uh, <laughs> you know, I have a Cadillac Green Gretz guitar that stays by my couch. And I started guitar then. I've never played publicly and I, don't, I act publicly. You know what I mean? Voice of certain things you keep for yourself. I get it. I, I don't know if you're a fan of Penguin Magic. You know that company? No, no, don't know it. Penguin Magic is one of the best suppliers of online. Some of the tricks, they just send you the link, but there's a lot of hardware. It's a great company. I'm not giving them commercial. I believe in them. And they give discounted magic. That will amaze. At one point during the conventions, I was planning on doing tricks for kids, you know, on the table, but all my promoter says, that takes you long. Let's get this. Let's go. And I still, to this day, I take my time with each and every fan. You know, it's important. They wait in line for you. They want to tell you a story. It's your job to listen, right? Not rush them. You are the best for saying that. So let's let's take yes. a look at the at the future. We got some exciting stuff coming up. I know in November they just announced that Nia DaCosta's Candyman's coming to Blu-ray, and it's That's got right. some deleted and extended scenes. So. And it was so great to see you uh, usher in this new era of the character there. And quite honestly, we couldn't have it any other way, man. Yeah. And, and we don't know what the next one will bring, do we? No, we don't. Exactly. And I, we wanted to ask you in particular, there is some footage in that early trailer of the film that shows some scenes shot with Helen Lyle that weren't included in the final version of the movie, including Cassie is like a burnt Helen witnessing the birth of the new Candyman. From your perspective and from what you know, what changed since the movie's inception that that storyline was was altered a little bit? Uh, well, I think they just kept tinkering. I think the budget went up and uh, and they had a chance to shoot thing entirely in Chicago, which is fantastic. My time was even in Chicago. So, um, you know, I, I think I think adding a feminist touch to the material really helps enhance it because it gives you another another look at the light. But props to Bernard Rose, okay? The genius that had the chutzpah to take Clyde Barker's original source material, transpose it to Chicago. He's a dear friend of mine. 
And going back, I said I made two films during the pandemic. The other was uh, we just debuted at Beyond Fest over at the Los Feliz three, two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Unfortunately, I wasn't there because, again, I had a plane problem. But uh, I think the announcer announced it is the one film that is a must see this year. So he he just had an idea at the beginning of the lockdown and we shot it at the beginning of the, uh, in the midst of the lockdown and right during the weekend of the George Floyd moment. And uh, we, he got as myself, Danny Houston, Olivia Diablo, Stephen Dorff, uh, Jack Nicholson's grandson, a great group of people that gave their time and energy to make this thing happen. It's shot in and around LA. I play a uh, guy, an Uber driver. I wake up one day, I can't take the pain and suffering anymore, and I decide to just become an Uber driver. So the movie is seen through my eyes as we travel through L.A. during that dark and desolate moment. Oh, that's stunning. And what's the title again? Traveling Light. Traveling Light, okay. And it's just doing a festival run now, no word on when it'll be. It'll be screening at Errol Theater upcoming. Uh, if you follow Bernard J. Rolls on Twitter, he'll have more information than I do. Um, and then he's got 14 cities lined up, Chicago, Atlanta, Detroit, et cetera, and uh, trying to build up, you know, critics in each city. It is critic-proof, so we're not worried about that. Did you see his version of Frankenstein a couple of years ago? No, I didn't. Oh, man, you got to see it. Yeah. What did you like about it? I'm in it. (laughs) (laughs) What did you like about the way he. He's just a genius, man. And he's underappreciated. Okay. And that was the only time in public that I got to show my guitar skills. I play the equivalent of the blind man in in the story in the Mary Shea version, but I'm a blind, homeless blues musician. So, and the monster is not your typical monster. That was you playing guitar as well in this. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing, man. So there's a, we only played one song, Manish Boy. Okay. That is the best. I've also heard there's a new project called Stream that you've been attached to, a yes. Michael Levy film. Yes. Yeah, so my boy is out in Staten Island. Um, dude, I know I just think they just released a trailer and I shot first scene of the of the next movie my boy jeffrey coombs is in it oh the best man the star trekker uh it's great they were good we you know blew up a car at three in the morning and uh since we were in a connected town we got we got away with it <laughs> and then marvel spider-man 2 video games coming yes, out man, we yes when you get to when you voice these and everything do they let you just play with the game nonstop as well early after it's done or how does that work uh no usually they don't like but on this one they will because it's a huge game it's not going to drop into 2023 and i've done a couple sessions we got much much more to do and the thing i'm doing tomorrow i wish i could tell you what it is because you guys have a triple backflip uh, let's just say I had to learn an ancient language for this one. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. I can't wait. Time is precious, man. Time is wonderful. And horror fans, are, I tell this whenever I speak to them, they're the most dedicated group of fans. They're deeper than the soap opera fans. <laughs> let's put it that way. <laughs> 
I don't know if it seems like this to you, but horror is having a massive renaissance right now. It seems like there's more releases, more films than ever before. Well, I think it started with the pandemic. People were hungry for since we all felt like we were in a monster movie to see the reflections of that. I mean, everybody watched Tiger King with this. You know, and everybody went on to the Ozarks and then they glad from there. Right. Uh, so this is a great time. It's a renaissance time for all. So for all you young writers out there, you know, write something as a beginning, middle and end. Take your time. Don't rush it. Right. Savor it. Listen to your characters. Let them talk back to you. And all of you young directors who are out there saying, when can I get my chance? This is the hottest moment in horror history. OK, so just figure it out. It's your only job. Figure it out. I have a new bucket list, and that's to jam some blues with you on guitar someday, man. So, you know, <laughs> you play, you play. I play, I play. I'm going to call you up on stage one day, Tony. Riffs. You need to teach me something. Oh, man, that would be an absolute pleasure. Wow. <laughs> but uh, speaking, of, speaking of the horror fans, you know, the iconic character of Candyman that you brought to life quickly became a major horror villain with everlasting love from horror fans for your character and performance. What do you think it is about Candyman that still resonates with the fans today? Um, I think he's a different kind of killer. I think people recognize that he was just like them at one point, and then he was uh, unjustifiably lynched and made into a monster by the very crowd that felt that they, he was vilifying them. I think that's, that's universal. And, and also it's a Gothic romance at its core. And, uh, you know, and, uh, and he's sexy as a fuck. Shit. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. <laughs> Hell yeah. You put a lot of, you put, yeah. a, you put a nice Gothic spin on that character, man. The likes yes, you've never sir. seen before. Well, one thing we haven't mentioned though, is that uh, Thursday, October 28th, we have horror noir debuting on shutter and they, they commissioned six, films from from people and i think it's a word on the street it's the bomb i'm in the very last episode so you tanana we love you awesome tony man thank yes. you so much for your time man we appreciate yes, thank this you so much guys i can't wait to hear you play leo thank you i love the house i love the decorations and I, I, this has been painless from the buku podcast to everyone this is Tony Todd. That was the Buku Podcast, episode 274. Special thanks to our guest, Tony Todd. Follow him at Tony Todd Official on Instagram and Tony Todd 54 on Twitter. At time of release, check out the Lockdown Hauntings on VOD and Digital Now. Production tracks for this one provided by Powerman 5000. Till next time, it is the Buku saying, Sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com Tales From The Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at Tales From The Boo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Bye! A bloody disgusting podcast network, home of the Boo Crew, for horror-centric interviews, SCP archives, weekly full cast storytelling, horror queers, genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective, and creepy, for disturbing and terrifying creepy pastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.